Should we get started? Yeah, sorry, I was taking a sip. <laughs> it's okay. Take that sip. Mm-hmm. You take that sip too, listeners. Welcome to Detroit Strange. This podcast where you can... The one you're listening to. Enjoy with a beverage. Yes. What kind of beverage? That's up to you. Drinks not included. <laughs> no, it's BYOB for sure. Yeah, this podcast is definitely BYOB. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about that is it can be whatever you want then. Right. Because there's nothing worse than like when it's open bar, but it's like open bar, but all it is is Miller Lite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or, you know, if you're not feeling a cocktail, then, you know, whatever you want. Right. Maybe you want a nice cafe au lait. I don't know why I said it like that. That's coffee with milk. <laughs> I don't know why that reminded me of the Bevagino. Did you see that TikTok? No. I'm surprised because I feel like I've seen them all. It's either like British or Australian women, and they're all just like, did someone say Bevragino? I think we talked about this already. Maybe. I don't know. But there was a TikTok where there's these women, did someone say Bevragino? I like that. I hope to come across that. Uh, I haven't been on TikTok as much lately, but I was just watching a bunch of like YouTube videos, mostly like gay musical trash. Mm-hmm. Like, have you heard the... Uh, DJ Adam Joseph. No. I don't know if he's a DJ. I don't know what his title is, but he's a gay wizard. Cool. Um, Because he just takes, like, random snippets from, like, whatever's happening in pop culture makes a song out of them. Like, the one I've stuck in my head right now is from, like, Lady Gaga's, like, Golden Globe acceptance speech. She's like, there could be 99 people. There could be 100 people in a room. And 99 don't believe in you. But one does. Like, you know that speech? Um, no. When she was a star is borning. Oh, I kind of ignored that whole phase. Not like purposely. It just, I let it happen. And then I was going to invest, you know, invest time into like watching. The I movie still haven't seen the movie. Yeah. And well, and then I heard some, some, um, I think I wanted to watch. No, I don't know what I want to do. I've heard some. Well, there's four of them and I'm never yeah. sure which one I want to watch yeah. first. Yeah. So if anybody has any advice, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. I've just seen the speech and also the song based off the speech. Okay. Maybe 99 people in a room. In a room, in a room, in a room. Oh, maybe and I 99, have. 99. 99. Okay. Well, that's the remix. <laughs> yeah. I've not heard that, but I have heard the, uh, the speech. Yeah. I think on TikTok, actually. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite lines from Drag Race recently was about that speech when like one of the girls was like reading one of the other ones about her audiences and she's like when lady gaga said there could be a hundred people in a room you were shocked (laughs) i love that line that's fun that one and um you're so old you knew the dead sea when it was just getting sick yeah (laughs) super fun yeah yeah so she's been doing that and i've also just gone like over the deep end into these Ace Attorney games. But they're so much fun. Ace what? Attorney? You're a lawyer? Yeah, so like there are these um they start off as like Game Boy Advance games, but they're like on every platform now. But basically you're playing as this lawyer named Phoenix Wright, at least in the first three games, and you're like investigating murders, collecting evidence, and you have to use the evidence in the courtroom to like find contradictions in people's testimonies. Weird. Interesting. Yeah. There's a yeah. lo- there is a lawyer in today's story. 
Oh. Just sidebar. Yes. Is his name Phoenix Wright? You'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> I don't know what Hooked. that means. No, that's cool, though. I uh, What have yeah. I been doing? I went hiking the other day. That was lovely. Nice. Uh, I've been trying to get out into nature. I hear it's good, especially for people who are at home the mo- most of the time. I'm like starting to creep back outside because it's not stupid fucking hot anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually really um, not quite perfect. I like it. I like hiking when it's like fall weather because you layer and I don't know. Fall weather in general is just the best weather. Mm-hmm. And then actually, my roommate and I went on a night bike ride last night. Ooh, which was around the city. Yeah, we went to like the river walk and then up through the Dequinder Cut and then um, kind of through downtown, mid- midtown to downtown, sort of. It was lovely, like a big old circle. And nice. she she just got bike lights, so she really has been like... She wanted to test them out. Yeah, but the the bad thing is mine were both charged because when she got hers, I was like, oh, yeah, I should charge mine because they're both like USB charge lights or whatever. And yeah. my front light went out within like five minutes of the ride. And I was like, uh, you have to ride in front. Um, I can't see. <laughs> I'm learning that I love those like backup battery packs because everything has like a USB charging option. I feel like these days. So like as long as you have the USB cable and that battery, you can charge it anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it wasn't that it was. De- I mean, it's just dead. Like, oh, it's just like yeah, it charged dead. for three days. So. <laughs> so if it wasn't charged by then, it's just. Yeah. It's, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Lost but not forgotten. Yeah. Definitely went by a pedal pub. Playing uh, some, some Cardi B. I guess I can get behind the Cardi B, but not the paddle pub. Yeah, I'm not a fan of them. They just, every time I see one, A, in the way of traffic, super annoying. B, everybody's hooting and hollering. It's just a lot. It's uh, yeah, it's like someone put a bachelorette party on wheels is what it always feels like. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not all women, it's just the vibe. It's just like, well, spring break, we're pedaling down the street. We're not paying attention to the cars that are trying to get around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we see them a lot. A lot. I bet. Living in the too. city. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to bike by it, though. That's nice. Just, get around them. Yeah. You just go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times I come off as like a curmudgeon who hates fun. Like, <laughs> I don't fuck think pedal so. pubs. Fuck this. I don't think so. But like, I stand by my opinions. No, it's no. I don't think you sound like you you hate fun. Everybody has their own. I mean, idea. I hate the movie Elf. Well, yeah, that's just wrong. So but... I get a lot of blowback for that one. Yeah, that's just wrong. But I stand by it. That's fine. Everybody should stand by their convictions, for sure. Yes. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, and we're not going to all like the same stuff, as is very evident, and that's okay. Opinions are like assholes, and everybody's got them. Salt and pepper. Truth. I mean, it's what makes us unique flowers. Yes, unique little flowers. Yeah. But no, it's, I mean, opinions are good. Just be careful how you state them. Would yeah. be the only thing with with them, and make sure that you you for the bigger ones educate yourself previous to having an opinion. Yes, 
some great ways to preface your opinion. Do you be like, do you have oven mitts? Because I got some hot takes. <laughs> oh, but I'm not. I like that one a lot. Or starting it off with controversial yet brave. Mm-hmm. But usually these are stupid opinions that I'm prefacing these with. Mm-hmm. I like it when people try to, and I think I do this, so, and I probably need to stop, but when they try to preface it with something like, can I offer you some feedback? <laughs> they try that to make it sound like... That also happened on Drag Race recently. It was like a French Canadian girl said, can I offer you some feedback? And the girl was like, sure. That also might be a line. And- I can't remember. That also might be a wine, a line from the movie Wine Country, the Netflix movie. I mean, yeah, probably. I love that they had Bernice or Bene Brown, mm-hmm. whatever her name is. I, uh, TED Talk Extraordinaire, Power of what's yeah. her thing? It's not the po- it's not the power of the uh, power of vulnerability. Vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. No, the the whole thing was. I, I, it was a fun movie. I watched it multiple times. It's definitely a, like a happy place movie for me. Oh, 100%. Mm. I think I've only seen it the once, but I mean, it was a great movie. I might be watching it today. Do it. We'll see. Although, oh, you know what? Um, I've been meaning to ask you about two shows. Yes. They're on HBO, which is when you know, go down an HBO hole, you uh, stay there. Yeah. Until you've watched all the shows because they're, they're still uh, being released weekly because HBO does not let you just i appreciate that because it's kind of fun having a weekly show it is and it isn't but sometimes i'm like right i just want to see the next one um so first of all lovecraft country i've heard of it haven't seen it it's wild so all i knew about it was that it was like jordan peels that's all i knew about it going into it and i'd heard about it on a couple podcasts too and i was like okay i'm interested went in with no knowledge other than i knew it was like the 50s 60s kind of time period Mm -hmm. jim crow you know kind of situation yeah that show is so wild and so good i feel like i've watched several movies but it also goes really quickly there are only three episodes after the second episode i was like that's not the season finale because they had like covered so much ground like that show clips like it's just like thing happening thing happening thing happening but you still there's still like character development somehow like i still The main characters, I'm still like, oh, yeah, main characters. It's got some real weird twists and turns, but it's wild. It's just, it's wild, and I don't know where they're going to go, and I'm so curious as to where it's going to go for the rest of the season. Love that. I haven't really watched any HBO shows except for Sex in the City, which I guess arguably is an HBO show, but, like, it's been so long since it came out originally that, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to compare it to like now. Yeah, it's been yeah. available elsewhere too. Yeah. And then the other one, because it's also airing, I think I think these are both like Sunday night shows. Um mm. it is a like documentary series about the Nexium cult called The Vow. I I'm not familiar with this cult. Oh, oh. Um it's uh I don't want to give too a few years ago there's basically like as with most cults, like a, a sex uh, scandal aspect aspect yeah. of it that um, kind of came to light a few years ago. I don't know exactly what year, but uh, it's wild. So it was basically the it started as like kind of like for people to push like their business forward, kind of a thing. Like they would have like um, talks and lectures and stuff like that, where it was just like 
kind so of basically six sigma yes kind of six sigma yes. cult um but yeah it was like they would i don't know talk like a lot about life and the brain and being open to things and you know if you're uncomfortable then that's good because that means you're changing you know like that kind of yeah jazz and stuff and but the members have left and one of the one of them is this guy who made the documentary what the bleep do we know uh uh-huh. which i don't know what year that came out but it it was kind of a big deal when it came out i actually haven't seen it i'm curious to watch it now another one was on that show about superman maybe on the cw oh um smallville small town yes i don't know but she was on something uh so there are people who people recognize you know uh kind of coming out of the situation and they're in they're kind of running the deck well and the man's wife also too um Mm -hmm. and it's only a few episodes in and if you are interested in cults i do enjoy a good cult story yeah it's i think it's just wild because like I don't blame I don't blame people who accidentally get caught up in them. Like I understand because there's like a lot of mind manipulation and things like that. Oh yeah, and you know, especially because most of them are about like bettering yourself, and that's why I haven't gotten taken in yet. <laughs> oh, you want me to do things? Nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Try and better myself. I'm great. <laughs> what do you need to better? Um. Yeah. Although I just realized I feel repetitive because my favorite podcast also talked about both these shows. But also... It's okay. I'm pretty sure I've already talked about the Beverageino TikTok. And there was something else I was like, as I was saying, I'm like, have I said this already? I, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the reason I started watching these is because they were talking about them. So I think it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, wild stuff. Really good stuff. Also, Sister Sister is available on Netflix. Just throwing that out there. I was thinking about that show recently because I just got into season seven of that 70s show and I might just stop there because they're taking it off in like a couple days and I'm not going to finish it okay. in mm-hmm. that time. And also it's just starting to go the way of Fonzie jumping a shark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then that's where the phrase came from, like jumping the shark. Yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah. Like that 70s show, like the reason I thought of it is because, um, you know, the character Stephen Hyde. Yeah. The kind of like burnout stoner dude. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of season seven, they introduced that his he, man he thought was his father wasn't his father. And then his father ended up being the father from Sister Sister, which he's black. Yeah. That's... And then they're just like, oh, yeah, Steven, he's half, even though he's clearly just white. Well, I mean, yes and no. You can't totally say that, though, because there are there are biracial people no, no, no. who it's... I. I'm just saying it's weird for the premise of the oh, show. Yeah. yeah. Like, it just, it was a very odd turn. Well, they were going for, I'm sure they were going for, like, the shock value of that situation, which. Yeah, they they didn't do great. Yeah. 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 No, Sister, Sister, honestly. D- did you ever watch it? I know you were, you know. A- very. I remember, like, I never, I never, like, all the way through or anything, but, like. I'd catch episodes yeah, here and there. Because it was in syndication for like ever too. Oh and yeah. Honestly, it holds up pretty well. It's interesting because they live in Detroit. Well, they live in Metro Detroit. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. In the first episode, one of them's living in Detroit, but it's just 
it's interesting when you actually know the city and then watch a TV show that's trying to be the city because it's very different. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they're in, I'm trying to figure out where. I, I think they're in Dearborn Heights. They accidentally get lost on a bus and end up in Gross Point at one point. So it's not Gross Point. Uh, but it's, yeah. I don't know. And Jack Hay. <laughs> yes. I think is my favorite. I I do like her. Yeah. I'm only a few episodes in, but it's such a delight. And I did good revisit or just even first watch. And the 90s fashions. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Oh. I remember them having the best fashions on that show. 7,000 windbreakers. I haven't seen a windbreaker yet, but some of the outfits are actually kind of cute. Or like I mean, with a slight modification. Yeah, there's a cute portion of the 90s. Not all of it was cute. Mm-hmm. Not all of it aged well. Actually, uh, Jack Hay's character, Lisa. Yeah. She's got some cute clothes that I'm like, oh. Oh, I would. I'd expect nothing less for her. I would wear that. And I love that for her. Yeah. And yeah, just. Also, the dad, speaking of the dad, did you know he was in the. Um, it tv miniseries no yeah. wait like the one from like a long time like before you know how it came out recently yeah, in the past the six years? part one yeah with Tim i remember Curry. watching that in college yeah yeah not my fave i mean that yeah i think i knew that event like at some point in my brain okay but i mean i don't look fondly back on that miniseries no it's terrible i was watching it with a friend yeah. right when the movies came out because i had never seen it so we watched the miniseries and then went and saw the first one and i was sitting there and i was like is that ray parker because <laughs> i don't know the yes. actor's name i think he's i don't even i'm not gonna guess his name because yeah. i thought i knew it but then i was like that's somebody else yeah but yeah i've been watching archer again that's been my like go-to show lately like in fact i was just watching it before this i like archer but i I never it found hits myself a lot of buttons for me. watching it alone. For some reason, that's like a watch with somebody show for me. Like somebody else has to. Oh, I, d- I know like, exactly. That's how yeah. I was with Doctor Who. I've never like chosen to watch Doctor Who on my own. But like when I've watched it with other people, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is cool, I guess. I have only actually watched one doctor on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, what was his name? Matt Smith. Okay. And. I think he ruined the rest of them for me because then it was like the Scottish guy afterwards. And I was like, no, I can't do it. And then I like David Tennant, but I uh-huh. think I needed some time to get over the fact yeah. that it wasn't Matt Smith. Because first, it, it, I don't know. He's just kind of goofy and like whatever. So it was like a fun doctor. Yeah. And I sh- probably should have started with David Tennant and then progressed. Yeah. Uh, but I really have no interest in most of them. <laughs> That's like, I feel like. At the beginning of the 2010s, I was much more about, like, sci-fi and, like... I was not at all. That kind of stuff. See, I'm no longer very interested in sci-fi a lot of times. Well, I grew up... I grew up around a lot of sci-fi. Fair, Uh, That's, like, my mom's main genre. The sci-fi channel was Uh constantly on, and... I did watch sci-fi channel stuff back in the day. I've seen a lot of it, but not necessarily by choice. And I don't know, you know how sometimes like, not purposely, but you kind of push away whatever you maybe have massive exposure to. And yeah, so sci-fi has never, um, has never really been something I super got into. 
as an adult, yeah. I've appreciated it more. And not to say I disliked all of it. Yeah. Like, I like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the book. <laughs> I've never read the book. I saw the movie a long time ago. The book's good. Recommend. Although there is, there's many to follow that I have not read, but I've heard I should. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the book that kind of my, my English teacher in high school made us read was it Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land? Never heard of it. It's, I like, I remember liking it. I could not really tell you what it's about. All I know is that the word grok came from that, and that means to like understand or know something. So my friends and I would always be Wait, like, oh, grok or grok? Grok, G R O K, I believe. Okay. So I'd always be like, I grok that. <laughs> That's how okay, cool I was. Okay, that makes I more was. sense than grok. Yes. I mean, I guac that. I was too. like, I don't think that show. I don't think that show invented guac. I would love to guac. I be- <laughs> believe that it was our neighbors to the south that invented guac. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not positive. This isn't a guac history podcast, no. but it is a guac appreciation podcast. Yeah, actually, I'm not sure if it came from Central or South America because I know in some Southern American countries too they make it, but I don't know if they just make it for like people visiting because we're dumb and just think right. everywhere has guacamole but i had the best guacamole of my life in peru because they put chunks of cheese in it yum yeah there's we do like we stand a cheese large chunks of andean cheese and also they made it from the largest avocado i've ever seen in my life it was the size of like a small child uh, Damn. and they made it like right then it was delicious also i'd been hiking for five days so maybe that added to it but <laughs> fair who knows so what are you drinking today a Boulevardier. Oh, my favorite. Yes. I um was like thinking about what I was going to make, and I was about to make an old-fashioned. And I was like, well, I still have the stuff to make Negronis. And I was like, oh, I guess I could do a Boulevardier. I haven't done one of those yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm enjoying it. I was going to say, you haven't had one at all yet, right? No, that's my first one. Fantastic. Yeah. I figure if you like a Negroni, and if you like yeah. an old-fashioned. Bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you probably would like this one. It's just nice to have a little twist. Um, I'm. What did we decide this was called earlier? I'm drinking a Beverly. A Beverly. <laughs> it's a beverage that is a Beverly lovely. Beverage. What's in a Beverly? It is. What's in your Beverly? It's a vodka base with a lavender simple syrup because I made lavender simple syrup earlier this week. Yum. Yeah, it's been good coffee over here and. Uh, Oh, a Trader Joe's seltzer water that's blueberry lemon. Yum. That sounds delicious. Yeah, so it's like blueberry lemon lavender. That sounds like a Beverly to me. Refreshing. Yes. Well, now that we have our bevy... We had our bevies, we had our chit-chat, and now it's story time. It is story time, and I have a whopping story for you today, sir. Yes. There is quite a bit of information because it came from a book. I did my best to, you know, part down... Yes. So, are you ready for a roller coaster? Let me buckle in, make sure my lap bar is firmly in place. Good, because it's also a road trip. Fun. Okay, seatbelts on, snacks are ready to go. Good. Because it takes place, and I don't necessarily say every time it changes, but just so you know up front, this all happened in Alpena, Saginaw, Grayling, Kalkaska County, uh, specifically um springfield township which is fife lake which is near traverse city is where we're going to be starting okay so we start on april 20th 1903 springfield township like i said fife lake 
A mother and a daughter named Gertrude and Ruth Murphy have both died suddenly within an hour of one another. Oh, no. Yeah. A few days later, carriages come. There's a, a beautiful wake for them in the Murphy family home. Murphy Farm, rather, in Springfield Township, mm-hmm. too. And they are survived by their 26-year-old husband slash father, Isaiah John Murphy. We're going to be calling him John, just so you know. Uh, Gertrude okay. herself, with she was either 19 or 22. There's actually... According to her gravestone, she would have been 22 at this time, but there's other records that indicate she might have been 19, so who knows? I mean, that's like my grandma Gertrude. Like, nobody was sure how old she was, what day she was born on, or what her middle name was, because paperwork back then was lacking. And their uh, daughter, Ruth, was three months, only three months old. Damn. The young couple had just moved in with John's 66-year-old mother, Sarah, while they were preparing a new home on a newly acquired 40-acre bit of land nearby that they had purchased. Mm-hmm. John's widowed sister, Mary McKnight, and cousin Mary Mullen also lived in the house. So, full house. Ooh. Yay. Yeah. I wonder when... Everywhere they went. Everywhere they were. I wonder which one was Uncle Joey is what I was about to say. <laughs> I mean, John Stamos is probably there. Oh, for sure. For sure. He's immortal. Yes. Oh, my gosh. that He, like, reverse ages. He does. A little bit about Sarah, so a little bit about the matriarch of the family. She had immigrated from Canada with her late husband, Isaiah, had five sons, four daughters, and sadly, two of those children were already gone. One Mm -hmm. named Sarah had died at the age of 18 from unknown causes, followed by her husband, Isaiah's death. And then the second child named William died, this is crazy, while hunting when someone, and this is for real, mistook him for a deer and shot him in the throat at the age of 21. Was it Dick Cheney? Maybe. I mean... He is pretty old. I'm keeping him on the list of suspects. Yeah. And apparently, like, he had even specifically, like, worn stuff to not get shot. I don't know. It wasn't good. I mean, antlers were a choice, but. <laughs> and so what happened on the day of the 20th? How did these two die? So Gertrude had gone to do some work on the new house and left Ruth, the baby, in care of her aunt, Mary McKnight. A few hours after tucking Ruth in for an afternoon nap, however, the baby was found to be motionless and her skin had turned blue. It appeared as if she had suffocated in the bedding. Gertrude returned to the home around noon, and when Mary told her what happened, she lost it, as one freaking would, you know, that's terrible. It would be a little concerning if she was just like, oh, darn. Yeah. And so Sarah and Mary McKnight managed to calm Gertrude down, and John went to purchase a coffin, which seems kind of quick, but I guess it's he just gets shit done. I get that. Yeah. And so when John was gone, Gertrude became ill, the wife. She uh-huh. complained of neck aches and shivered relentlessly. Her body then began to convulse and she foamed at the mouth while throwing her head back. She clenched her fists and balled them up near her chest. Then after a few minutes of convulsing, her body relaxed and her hands opened, dropping to her sides. But then it just started all over again and kept coming in waves until she died. She died. She was gone within 20 minutes of the episode starting and only an hour after her daughter's passing. Damn. Mm-hmm. What'd they eat? <laughs> Good question. The next morning, a doctor came and concluded that Gertrude died from shock after experiencing an epileptic fit. Okay. The death certificate would read that she died following, quote unquote, spasms. Nothing more. Uh-huh. At the wake, both Mary... At least didn't say it was hysterics. Yeah. That's always rude. No, that was in like the 50s when it was hysterical. Yeah. 40s. 50s. You're hysterical. Your uterus is driving you mad. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, at the wake, both Mary McKnight, so John's sister, and Mary Mullen, John's cousin, would stay by his mother's side. And uh, other siblings, again, there were at least seven you know, siblings altogether. Yeah. They came to show their respects. And most of them, not strangers to loss. Again, in this time period, there was like you know, a lot of different diseases Times and things tough. like that. Yeah. yeah. One had lost a child to scarlet fever, for example. Another had lost her daughter, Eliza, in 1893. We might hear that name later. So. Okay. That girl, Eliza Thornberry. I'm kidding. <laughs> Many neighbors, including a man named Dr. Persall, who was not the doctor who initially inspected the bodies for the death certificate, had been to the funeral, and he felt that something just wasn't sitting right. Like something just felt off or wrong about the whole situation. So Joe Battenfield, who's also their neighbor, had also came to pay his respects at the wake. And he would soon become a key witness to a murder investigation. Mm -hmm. Let's get to it. Yes. A few days after the death. So I don't know, like April 25th or something like that. 1903. Mary McKnight would ask Joe Battenfield, the neighbor, to pick up mail call a doctor to make a house call and also purchase five cents worth of strychnine for her to kill some field mice of course strychnine mm -hmm. we know her yes battenfield being a good neighbor went to a local drugstore and dropped it off on his way home when he got there mary mcknight wasn't around so he gave it to mary mullen the cousin she put it on the table she said within like a little bit of time it was off the table she didn't know where it went like uh -huh. she went into the other room and then it was gone a couple days after that, around 9 p.m., Sarah, the matriarch of the house, would appear at Battenfield's door covered in sweat. John, so John Murphy, the husband to the mother and daughter who passed away, uh -huh. was experiencing sudden convulsions quite similar to Gertrude. She begged for John to come and help. So he immediately, he grabbed camphor oil, which I guess is something people use then, and he, Inside the bedroom, he saw John lying with his back arched and most of his weight being distributed to the crown of his head and his hands uh -huh. drawn up tightly near his chest. So kind of like, you know, a rainbow yeah. shape. <laughs> uh, opposite a of a bridge. rainbow. Yes. Extreme bridging. And so he got the oil out and then he asked Mary McKnight to fetch some salt. I'm just probably going to call her McKnight for a while, too. So John sure. appeared to relax while Battenfield held the oil next to his nose. But John, so he kind of came down from this seizure essentially and he mustered yeah. up the energy to say quote it's no good joe i am dying within the next five minutes he would be correct so he knew <sighs> yeah so mcknight mary mcknight began to sob dr purcell came to investigate the body and he was perplexed as to how rigid the body was because rigor mortis doesn't immediately set in it takes a bit of time no. it's usually i think like four or five hours it's said Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And this was like within 20 minutes he was there. Or, you know, like within an hour, let's say, that he was there. And yeah. He was like, this isn't right. The body shouldn't already be this stiff. Again, another doctor actually did the death certificate, and he listed the cause of death as, quote, death following an asthma attack. Because John was known to have asthma. Okay. So there was no postmortem investigation, but the guy who did the death certificate was like, this seems bad, and it could be contagious and potentially fatal. So, hey, Joe Battenfield, you're in quarantine for a second. Just, you know, why don't you stay home? Because you were, like, around them. Yeah. And John's body was buried three days later in early May. According to Mary, and this would come up several times, her brother's dying words to her were, Don't you ever let them dig me up. Ooh. Yeah. I think 
you probably know where this is going. So anyway, locals became suspicious. So they weren't completely like, but locals became suspicious and started to suspect Mary McKnight of foul play. She had cared for all three just before they died. A neighbor came forward to say he had seen McKnight give the infant a tablet and Gertrude medicine to calm her down. Others just thought them, and I think that I think that was Battenfield who saw both those things. Others thought that the Murphys just must be curved, like mm, they just got bad luck. Yeah. But everyone kept talking, and by mid-May, suspicions reached Kalkaska prosecutor Ernest C. Smith. Uh, Doctor uh-huh. Purcell, he had even stopped by to discuss the case with him because again, again, things weren't sitting right with him. And after he had talked to Battenfield too, who had been in the room, so he's kind of like, "Hey, Smith, you might want to go check this out." And he discussed the peculiar instant of the rigor mortis Mm -hmm. and also noting how John's coherency or John was coherent, which is not consistent with epileptic seizures, generally speaking. Yeah. A lot of times people don't even remember them. And, you know, he's giving full sentences. And he also noted that Battenfield had purchased strychnine for Mary a few days prior, five cents worth. Mm -hmm. So then... um, Smith would learn more information that would solidify his suspicions of McKnight's involvement. It turns out that a few days after John died, McKnight brought a paper document that changed the mortgage of the property that he and his wife had of the 40-acre estate. Originally, it was set to $200, but it was changed to $600. Oddly enough, in McKnight's writing, also, McKnight had been the one to loan him the money to buy Hmm. the land. So... I think the mortgage was going to her. Okay. So I think it was kind of like... Suspicious. Yeah. Weird situation, because she had a little bit of money, as we'll find out. So a second trip was made to the Murphy Ranch a week later, May 26th. The prosecutor, Smith, uh, had another theory at this time as well. John, grief-stricken, had possibly poisoned himself. I mean, that's a lot of loss very quickly. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So when this theory was brought up, though, McKnight did not even consider it. She struck it down immediately. She said, no, my brother would never do that. And he then asked if there was any strychnine in the house. Mary claimed it was in the cellar mixed with cornmeal for the rats from the previous winter. So remember her story right now. Did she make cornbread? No, she didn't. So Smith went to talking with locals. He learned that John had purchased a $1,000 life insurance policy. This would go to his mother. But since she was unable because she was an older woman. and Yeah. yeah. Basically, the default head of house would be Mary McKnight. It was also discovered that shortly after her brother's death, she began to inquire about life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. But as sometimes happens, another person stepped in trying to claim the policy. You see, John was previously married to a 16-year-old named Clara in 1895, so many years prior to this. After three months, he came to believe that she had an affair with his younger brother, Dan. This is some soap opera shit. And they, oh, of course. Yeah. And then they divorced. Seven months later, though, Clara gave birth to Gladys Murphy. John denied being the father, but the carrier granted the policy to Gladys. So the actual insurance agency was like, that's his daughter. That's next of kin. Yeah. McKnight and actually other siblings were not silent about this and voiced their disdain in this decision. Mm-hmm. This would kind of come back around to It was not closed at this point. So John was exhumed despite his last dying of words of yeah don't don't dig me up don't let them dig me up and so his stomach was removed and it was to be sent to university of michigan for examination smith did not want to wait for the results and he had Crichton, who is the sheriff the calcasca county sheriff arrest Mm -hmm. mary mcknight and to bring her in for questioning 
This is interesting because the county prosecutor and the sheriff work very tightly together for a lot in this. I don't think this is how it is now, but yeah. Yeah. So Crichton went to visit the Murphy estate, but Sarah, the mom, said that McKnight had just left for Traverse City a few days earlier to find an attorney to put a stop to exhuming all these bodies. Yeah, she's like, don't dig up my handiwork. Yeah. So they didn't stop. Uh, they didn't stop, though. By May 31st, they found her at Walton Junction, which was like a train you know, depot with Mary Mullins, so with her cousin. And uh-huh. they were both arrested and brought in for questioning. Mary Mullins, the cousin, was asked about the strychnine as she'd been the one to take it from Battenfield. But she told about putting it on the table and then it was gone two seconds later. She was released. Yeah. They believed this. McKnight, however, wasn't released and was put into a cell. So her okay. brother, one of her brothers, went to Traverse City to find an these attorneys and they were named Parmius Gilbert and former Kalkaska prosecutor Joshua Boyd. These are private attorneys now. So we're just going to refer yeah. to them as really Boyd. Gilbert was helping, but Boyd's the main guy. They hopped on a train down to, to Kalkaska where Mary was being held, but Creighton, Creighton, the sheriff would not let them see him for, for several days. This would come Damn. up later in the trial too. Side story, just because we're going to go down the soap opera angle again, I wasn't going to include this, but then I was like, damn, this is weird. So Smith asked this man named William Toten to sit second chair for him whenever there would be a trial. However, Toten Uh previously worked with Joshua Boyd, Mary's lawyer. So now we have lawyers who used to work together on opposing sides. That happens. However, they had a falling out after their 20-year partnership. And I think it had something to do with the fact that they married each other's sisters. I mean, that'll do it. Isn't that wild? That is. Like, that... Okay, fam. Yeah, I was like... The straights. I don't know about that. (laughs) So there was a lawyer fight, basically, because they really wanted to see their client. And, I mean, they should be able to see their client. And, again, for several days, they could not. After they left, though... Smith went to go see Mary because he could do whatever he wanted, apparently. So yeah. she told the same story. The, the strychnine was to kill cellar mice. Smith reminded her of the Battenfield poison, but she said she'd just forgotten that. And it aired on the date of when she had mixed the poison into the cornmeal. It must have been a few days before John's death, not a few months. Oh. Yeah. Suspicious. Yeah. So by June third, Mary became weak, and she was actually losing a lot of weight because she was kind of refusing to eat. She was eating a little here and there, and they were being cool about it. Actually, they were like, "Well, what would you eat? What could you eat? Like, we'll bring it to you." At one point, this is just—I didn't write this down, but at one point, I think it was like Smith's mother. She said something about wanting buttermilk, and Smith's mother went out and got like buttermilk for her. You know, so they were trying, but she just. What kind of sick animal just drinks buttermilk? I don't know. Different times. I I talked about the different. I don't know. So they were a little worried about her health. Guilty and, for that. <laughs> and yeah, they didn't have Taco Bell. Fair. And Smith went to go check on her, and she basically just stared at him blankly. And he wasn't there to talk about the case. And he kept saying, I'm not here to talk about the case. I'm just here to check on you. Like, we're a little worried about you, blah, blah, blah. And she then asked him basically to be a friend. She was like, you know, can you be a friend to me? And he was like, well, I'm not here to discuss the case because the only conclusion I can come to is that you poison your brother, but I can send you a clergyman to talk to you if you'd like a clergyman. And so she said, yeah, yeah. And then like stared blankly at him again. So that night he also received word from me of M that there was enough strychnine in John's stomach to kill 12 men. And he was just one. He was just one. 
Because people did actually put strychnine in medicine. Like it was such a small. Like a teeny tiny amount. Yeah. Microdosing, if you will. Yeah. So by late May, Gertrude and Ruth are still buried. Yeah. They would be exhumed for testing as well. Which we know means dick up the body. (laughs) I learned that one episode. They were actually buried together because it was such a young child and stuff, too. So they dug it up. Yeah. Save coffin space. Makes sense. Yeah. And then Dr. Purcell, the doctor, he removed the stomachs. They were going to be sent to U of M as well. Uh A few days later, June 7th, prosecutor... I'm sorry, Sheriff Crichton stares at a list of names and dates of deaths in Mary's life. There's 12. Bum, bum, bum. Little bit about Mary McKnight. She was the eldest daughter of Sarah and Isaiah. They had immigrated to Michigan from Canada when she was 13. As a teenager, she lived in a boarding house as a domestic servant. She was considered to be Mm -hmm. attractive and married local painter James Ambrose. Their marriage ended with the loss of... His death? No. Wow. No spoilers. Sorry, I just assumed. Their marriage endured the loss of three children in infancy, and they had two daughters, Minnie and Mary, but at 14 years old, Minnie caught diphtheria in 1882, and two years later, at two years old, May also died of diphtheria. A few years after that, yeah, in 1887, James became mysteriously ill and died. He had spent his last moments thrashing and having spasms. Mary would collect $2,000 from a life insurance policy. And that was bank back then. It was a little bit shy of sixty grand. Yeah, that's money. Yeah. So Mary then moved in with her late husband's business partner, James Ernest McKnight, and his wife. A homewrecker. Well, and then some. In July of 1887, his wife became mysteriously ill. Her sister, Gib Teeple, rushed to see her with her husband and their baby daughter. Gib left the baby in Mary's care. You probably could have guessed what happened. Uh, the baby was fine and everyone lived happy ever after? Well, the wife had an onset of convulsions that day and died. And then the next day, baby Teeple also got sick with convulsions and died. Twofer. Wow, what a mystery. Fucking twofer. Yeah. Bogo! Yeah, so James McKnight is single now, ready to mingle. No, he had fallen for Mary and they got engaged. During the three weeks she was waiting to get married, she stayed with her sister Margaret and her husband and three children near Saginaw. After Mary got married, she would often visit because, you know, they're pretty close by train. On one of these visits, her 13-year-old niece Eliza became sick after afternoon tea with Aunt Mary. Uh, Witnesses stated that the girl suffered from convulsions and foaming at the mouth. Less than a year later, Sarah Murphy, a niece of Mary and Margaret's, visited the two and they had afternoon tea when all of a sudden... She died. Convulsions Does this bitch and just have like a vial of strychnine in her purse at all times? Like she's like, someone asked me a question. Like, better kill them. I, I, it keeps going because I can't make okay. this shit up. In 1894, James and Mary McKnight moved to. Um, I don't know what I Cook typed Pasca? there. No, I wrote a warm and grayling. Grayling. In 1894, James and Mary McKnight moved to Grayling. Four years went by without any mysterious deaths. It's a long time for Mary. That's a record. Yeah, yeah. but. November 12th, 1898, James, James McKnight, the new hubby, well, not new at this point, but he became ill after eating a a dinner that Mary had sent him while he was working in the fields. The Mm -hmm. physician was called and found James with his torso bent upwards, his arms and legs and throat partially paralyzed. After two days, however, his condition began to improve. He sat up, joked about his brush with death. Ha 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 ha. Almost died. Yeah. (laughs) What what a riot. The doctor left because his patient was doing better. But... 
that night the wife was still there james relapsed and died after like his wife was like hey you want some tea some coffee some anything what a biscuit Mm -hmm. what can i get you what can i make strychnine into for you and mary collected another two g's uh bank yeah I think it's the two together would be like a hundred and I think it's like seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars in today's money. Um, uh. That's why I think she maybe helped with her brother with that parcel of land. Over the next few years, there would be more. In nineteen hundred, Mary was told that her friend from Saginaw, named Mrs. Mackenzie, died following a surgery. So Mary went to console her grandmother, Mrs. Schneeberger, who suddenly died. No witnesses remember the symptoms, however, of that one this bitch here's my thing how did no one fucking notice people kept Everyone trusting this her woman touches turn to die yeah and as you'll hear in a little bit they all still loved her and nobody believes she did it but anyway uh march 28th 1902 her friend anna jensen was sick and had to go to the hospital and she left her six-year-old dorothy in mcknight's care Dorothy became sick after playing with friends in the yard. Mary told neighbors she'd overexerted herself, but neighbors saw her foaming at the mouth and shaking. She was dead before the doctor could even make it there. Her uh, death certificate stated that she died suddenly after fainting. And for cause of death, he wrote, don't know, and listed <laughs> overexertion and skipping rope as contributing factors. Like, what did this bitch have in for a six-year-old? Yeah. I think she just liked it at this point. Yeah. So in in the winter of 1903, that's when she moved in with her mother. This would be the start of when like, where we started. Yeah. yeah. Reporters began to catch wind of this because this is like super fucking weird. And, yeah. you know, they began to write a lot of articles. They began comparing her to Lucretia Borgia, who is like an Italian Renaissance woman who possibly poisoned a bunch of people. Uh, they called her Michigan's Borgia. And Fun. some publications took the side of Mary. Basically, her friends and family were like, no, she's good. She's good people. Mm. They wanted to clear her name. Her family actually said that John Murphy probably poisoned his wife and child before taking his own life. Uh, the sheriff responded to all these newspaper things. Because there was, you know, everybody's getting interviewed. That's all right. It's not even a possibility in the view of evidence we have picked up in the past few days. So across the state, everywhere, some provided evidence. Uh, the Detroit Evening News published a letter written by Mary right after her sister-in-law's death about how awful it was and states, Mary, Mary in it states, I don't know what will come next. I'm feeling awful bad and have a terrible cold. She also spoke of a long-time affliction that she feared would cause her death. So she was trying to say, like, I'm sick, too. <laughs> I'm sick. Pay yeah. attention to me. So basically, nobody who was close to her, like, would even, like, th- like think about the fact that it's... It, it's just wild. They're probably it's afraid she'd kill him too. Like, no, she's great. Please tell her I said that she's great. I did not say anything bad about her. I'm watching all of my drinks. So by June 8th, and we're still again in 1903 at this point, uh, she had not had visitors to her cell other than like Smith or Crichton. And on this day, they like, let her lawyers, Boyd, visit, but only with the sheriff yeah. present. So he left around 9.30 p.m. And Mary actually asked to talk to Smith Smith arrived. Mary sat there rubbing her hands together, kind of like nervous like, and she admitted to giving both Gertrude and John medicine, but stated that she never meant to harm either of them. I had the strychnine and some Q9 mixed together in capsules. When Gertie's baby died, I thought it would soothe her if I gave her one of the capsules. I didn't mean to harm her. Then Gertrude died. I did the same with John. I did not intend to hurt my own brother. I thought the capsule would soothe him. It seemed to kill him, though. I didn't give the baby anything. I don't know how it came to die. 
Then she asked him to return the next day. The problem with her statement is that one pill would not have contained the amount of strychnine that was found in John's stomach. Right, unless it's like a fucking horse pill. Yeah. Here, take this this grapefruit-sized pill full of strychnine. It'll do wonders for calming you down. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day, uh, strychnine was found in both the stomachs of Gertrude and Ruth, and Smith handed Mary a telegram stating this when he entered her cell. He showed it to her. Yeah. She again started pursing her hands together and began talking. Then she admitted to giving it to all three. She meant to give Ruth antifebrile, which uh, was on the shelf next to the strychnine, but she must have grabbed the wrong package. Then she persisted that she only gave John and Gertrude medicinal amounts. She re- she kept repeating, I didn't intend to hurt any of them. Uh, this is when Smith started questioning her grasp between reality and fantasy. And, yeah. But it still wouldn't explain the amounts found in John. Accidentally overdosing one person terrible but like literally half the people in her life yeah exactly he actually basically said you know what this is good stuff though this is basically a confession but i'm the only one hearing it so he said to her if i write this out will you sign it and she Uh kind of was like a little hesitant but she came around she said okay so i'm not gonna read the whole thing it's pretty long but i'm gonna read a few key quotes from it please do the story changes in the statement again because it keeps changing every time. Of course. And it, of course, starts with, I didn't mean to harm any of them. So here are one, two, three, four statements from it. I mixed up a little of the strychnine in a glass with some water and gave a spoonful of it to the baby. Uh, okay. Yeah. Two. When Gertrude came home, she came to me and said, Mary, can't you give me something to quiet me? Something that you take yourself? Spitch was giving out strychnine like it was Tang. Mm-hmm. John seemed to feel so badly about it, so broken up. Then I often thought, after Gertie died, that it would be for the best if he were to go too. Bitch. (laughs) I mean, his family's dead, so he may as well die too. I mean, I did him a favor. God. And then the last one. He comes and sees me now at nights. So does Gertrude. They talk to me. They tell me that they forgive me. Okay, so she's Looney Tunes. I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to stretch that far necessarily. I mean, there's a lot going on. Also, she's she has lived through a lot of trauma. I do want to point that out, too. She did lose, like, every child she ever had. But did she kill them? Like, she killed a lot of people. No, but two of them were, like, diphtheria, diphtheria which yeah, is, like, yeah, a yeah. totally different thing. And the other three died in infancy. Just like, I, they had diphtheria. I gave them strychnine to kill it. Um. Yeah, but anyway, so the yeah. statement failed to talk about the mix-up, though, when giving baby Ruth the drug. It was not in there, and she signed it anyway. Yeah. A few days later, Smith and Creighton still could not figure out a motive, but they had this written confession. He released it to the newspapers and made statements. Many called her guilty and murderous, the victim of homicidal mania. There's still mystery around this motive, though. So her lawyer approached her with some of the headlines, and she shrieked. She said, never, never, never. I did not kill them. I did not say so. It's a lie. And Boyd accused Smith and Creighton of coercing her. Uh-huh. Throughout the trial, this would come up a lot, too, because Mary was she was losing a lot of weight because she was being weird and finicky about her eating because, I mean, there could Probably be so many different, and shit. Yeah, there could yeah. be so many reasons. And she was finally permitted to see guests, which was good. And again, this would come up multiple times about the living conditions that she was in and that she couldn't see people and like all this, and this and that. But she still did have an appetite for socializing. Apparently, anybody who came to see her, she would like talk their ear off. 
But she did become very depressed. She wrote her mother a letter stating that the strychnine was for her and that she had intended to take her own life. The sheriff read the letter, took it to Smith, who paid Mary a visit before the preliminary hearing started. She told him that she had contemplated suicide and purchased the poison for herself. Uh, meanwhile, Creighton, the sheriff, went to Mary's house, find the, found the strychnine pills exactly where she said she had left them. So Creighton started to kind of come around and maybe believe this this story. And Smith was just like, no, it's just story spinning. And yeah. her examination started 25th. Uh, Mary comes in. It was a crazy trial. The defense argued basically that she was deprived of things in the jail and that she was coerced into this alleged confession. And then they moved that there would be no fair trial since there was so much media coverage. And media coverage was definitely statewide at this point, but also like some national coverage had happened too. It became a little bit of a frenzy, uh-huh. particularly in this county. They ended up actually moving it to Cadillac. Mm-hmm. After the defense spoke with their client over the next few days, they determined she was not fit to stand trial in her current condition because, again, lost a ton of weight, a little bit loopy, and they asked for postponement, and it would be postponed until early December. In this time, uh, because, again, we're in June right now, Mother Sarah would pass away in August, and there were also a string of other women being accused of poisoning their husbands with strychnine. Three other women, to be exact. Uh, So it kind of became like a weird thing and then the media picked up on it and was like borgias these you know that italian woman all these yeah. Michigan Bor- yeah all that kind of stuff so trains pulled into a station with over 300 gathered to watch a mary on that early december day she was a comp- she was very emaciated kind of jaundiced um very feeble her sister had to escort her in the defense brought up you know everything the the jail treatment also the um john ha- would take uh strychnine for his asthma and due to lack of motive five jurors won an acquittal and the jury was hung but after 28 hours of deliberation bum ba da da guilty that's a fair verdict but it's not over oh she was sentenced to life in a state prison in jackson but she was moved to good old detroit house of corrections we stand yeah but as for the estate of John Murphy, it got a little ugly. There was a battle between brother, some of his brothers and Gladys Murphy, that alleged daughter of his, and it ended up in court three years later. The weird thing is Boyd and Smith would also go head to head in this trial, uh, and Smith would win once again. Gladys basically won the estate. However, the Michigan Supreme Court kind of reversed it, and she would not impair part of his estate until she turned 21. We're going to go to the Detroit House of Corrections right now. Mary's there. She's actually flourishing. She's doing pretty good. She started sewing buttons. Her brother-in-law, William Chalker, becomes the executor of her estate and visits her and headlines of her fade as new murder cases come up and become the... Uh, Talk of the town. Yeah. yeah. So after serving 18 years at the age of 67, Mary was granted release by parole board in June of 1920. Immediately bought some more strychnine because she was out. Well, she was escorted out, too, by noted prison reformers, Mr. and Mrs. Robert Ogg, who also took Nellie Pope upon her release. Oh, Nellie Pope. Yeah. Hey girl. Yeah. And she died a few years later. I think she was like 69 or something. So the real question, um, why? Yeah. You know, why? The the husbands, she got life insurance. So there's a little bit of yeah, motive there, sense. possibly. Yeah, like the six-year-old, her like nieces and nephews, that guy on the train, that like person who asked her for directions once. Like, what's the? She got money for a couple of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two, perhaps Angel of Mercy, like a Munchausen by proxy kind of situation. Okay. Three, her love of funerals. 
She loved funerals. She because they were uh they were wakes, so they weren't like they were party funeral. You know what I mean? Like like an Irish wake kind of situation. So it was this like big celebration of life, and it was like a big social event. And some people think that she just really liked wakes. I mean, just plan a party, bitch. You're gonna kill someone. You can just have a party. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's allowed. Yeah. Um, number four, sadist with a God complex. Okay. Um, which really, I mean, that's how the book puts it, but like really that comes down to, I don't even want to say sadist with a God complex, but more of like a control. Okay. A control freak. Five, she never intended to harm them. Past traumas led her to a weakened mental state though. She did lose all those kids and she did struggle with anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, her demeanor may provide a clue as well. At the trial, you know, uh, Creighton testified that she constantly rattled the bars of her cage, meaning she was possibly going through withdrawals. So she probably was taking some sort of substance or drinking heavily. Yeah. There's a few signs that pointed to it that came up a little bit, but not a ton. Yeah. And the last one is sociopath. She did seem very remorseful to a certain degree, but also that could have been acting. So like that one's a little tricky to say nobody's ever going to know though is the main thing i have my theory oh yeah do tell she had stock in the company that made strychnine there you go there you go you know five cents a a pop (laughs) she's like i don't know how i'm gonna use all this Mm -hmm. but yeah gotta keep buying it oh also real quick and I, there's a couple different sources. So this is either so there's a house in in this area, Fife Lake, um, called the Battenfield House. And I don't mm-hmm. know if this is the one that the neighbor lived in, or if this is actually the one that the Murphys lived in. Some sources say it's the one where the Murphys lived in, haunted. Ooh, fun. Yeah, uh, there are. It's actually a private residence though. And there's this Facebook post I found where people were like, "Oh, I lived there as a kid." <laughs> Interesting. Uh. It's called the Battenfield House. It's reported to have activity. Apparently, there was a string of mass, mur- a different string of mass murders to also take place. However, there's no information out there other than to say that this supposedly happened. When people have witnessed flames of fire in the upstairs area, but no heat or actual fire comes from it. So they see fire up there, and then there's nothing up there. And then the mm-hmm. course whispers voices and footsteps. Classic. Yeah. So again, I'm not sure if that's the actual house and it had been moved, or if that's the neighbor's house, but it's haunted. And that yeah. is the story of Michigan's female serial killer, Fun. Mary McKnight. Yeah. Mary Strychnine McKnight. I got my information from this book called Michigan's Strychnine, Strychnine Saint by Tobin T. Book, B-U-H-K. Book, yeah. We know her. Yeah. Fun. Well, not fun, but like <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Some crazy stuff. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. So I think I deserve a game. <laughs> you do. You deserve a game. And that game is going to be Two Truths and a Lie. Woot woot. Also, the haunted house thing reminds me of one of my coworkers thought that her house was haunted because, like, she had video of her two-year-old talking to someone in the corner of the room in the dark and saying, like, go, like, just, like, talking to this person they called Flower. And, like, at the end of the video, you hear him saying, untie me, Flower. <laughs> and it's like... <gasps> It was so spooky. Oh she gosh. said that she ordered sage off of Amazon and saged the crap out of her house and hasn't seen anything since. Yeah. No, that's good. That's okay. Spooky though, right? Yeah. That's. Yeah. Those are my YouTube holes that I fall into. 
is watching kids talking to ghosts things like that yeah kids say the darndest things to spirits <laughs> or i watch a lot of poltergeist activity videos uh-huh. um yeah i get that yeah that's fun yeah um so two truths and a lie mm-hmm. i decided to go with apples since it's apple season oh yes i'm very excited about apple season mm-hmm. want to make some applesauce get some apple Love cider made applesauce Maybe make some apple butter this year. I might make some apple butter. Yes. Can it? Yes. Yeah. So here are the apple facts. Fact number one. What? I just was going to go apple facts. I don't know. I had no no reason to do it. I just got excited. That's fair. Apples are exciting. Yeah. So fact number one. Apples are a member of the Rose family. Fact number two. Johnny Appleseed was a real person. Fact number three, Red Delicious is the most popular variety in the U.S. I'm just going to go with number three being the lie because I don't like them. They're the worst apple. The wor- They're always so mealy. I don't like them at all. So that is the lie. Yes. Um, in 2008, it was for like five decades. Though. No, I know. And the- in 2018, it was just dethroned by the gala apple. Well, I feel like people didn't know that there were other apples. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. that's why people are like, oh yeah, red and delicious. That's an apple. Mm-hmm. That's the only option. Mm-hmm. This mealy piece of crap that I got for free in the cafeteria. It sounded like a good idea, but I should have just gotten the fries because this apple is shit. Yeah been there too many times honestly it's probably the only one i don't like at all they're just so mealy yeah so yeah but johnny appleseed was a real person i knew that didn't one didn't know that yeah apparently like the article i was reading said he wasn't um as legend said some poor dude just randomly planting apples but like apparently one of the ways to claim land back then was just to plant a bunch of apple trees so he would just plant a bunch of apple trees and then like wait a little bit and then sell the land that he now, quote, owned. So he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. So Johnny Appleseed. Cool. Yeah. I like it. I dig. And they are a member of the Rose family, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Honestly, that is very interesting. I would have chosen it, except it's so weird that I'm like, I don't think that he made that up. I think yeah. that's just a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. I, like, don't get it, because they're not that similar plants at all. No, I was really trying to work through it in my head. It'd be weird if they were more similar, though. Like, imagine, like, apples just growing on vines, and they're thorny and shit. Oh, that'd be so sad. Yeah. I want to go apple picking. Should we go apple picking? I would be down, because... Oh, I was going to ask, what is your favorite kind of apple? Do you have a favorite variety? I usually get Fuji apples because I think they're like nice and crunchy, not too sweet, but mm-hmm. still sweet. Mm-hmm. How about you? I like the pink ladies. Pink ladies are good. They're closely related to the Fuji. I, of course, like a honey crisp. And I do like Fuji and Gala, actually. Like those are kind of my main area, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I like the pink ladies a lot. Every once in a while, I'll fuck with the Granny Smith. Not super often. My mom used to make this salad with them. Mm-hmm. And I use the term salad loosely because it was like... Cheese? No, it oh. was like... So Granny Smith apples, snicker like chunks, and like 
something else and like this creamy sauce this oh. creamy like miracle not miracle whip like dessert yeah, yeah. now that sounds good it was good mm-hmm. but like not even kind of healthy when i was growing up i didn't like red apples at all and i only liked granny smith <laughs> sour yeah i was... Do you like sour candy a lot Are you no. a sour candy hoe Mm-mm. really okay no which is strange i liked um i guess like natural sour foods but for some reason like yeah, like warheads and stuff like that. I like dread no, it. I didn't want to yeah. not have it when somebody gave it to me because you want to like live up to the challenge. But right. I didn't want it. I remember rinsing them to get the sour powder off because like, the <laughs> under candy was good. The sweet part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I shouldn't want to work through the sour part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess like Sour Patch Kids weren't bad, but they weren't. I would rather just have like gummy Swedish bears. Fish? Ooh, Swedish fish. Yeah, yeah oh. no, I'd rather have Swedish fish. You're right. I love it. I've I love a gummy bear. Love a gummy bear. Love a gummy worm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gummy shark. Gummy bears. They're cool. Gummy batters. <laughs> it just makes me think of that. Yeah. Is that a deep cut? Yeah, as yeah. I say, is that a head deep cut? Yeah. <laughs> he gave me a bag of gummy batters, gummy. but I did not. They did look very unfamiliar from the gummy bears of my youth. <laughs> there was multiple colors. Oh, they were beautiful. sweet. Beautiful. Yes. But uh, does that wrap us? Are we I wrapping on gummy bears? <laughs> we are wrapping on the gummy bears. <laughs> so that is a wrap. Roll it up in a tortilla. We are done. Stuff it in your mouth. Yes. But before you take that tortilla stuffed episode to go, uh, you can follow us on our social medias at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and email at DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, we would be so very grateful if you would rate. Um, we also love subscribers. We we like reviews, particularly yes. if they're nice ones. But yeah, please uh, go wherever you listen. Give us a good old, old little rating. Um, thumbs up that'd be great uh because hopefully if you've listened this far hopefully you like us <laughs> it'd be weird if you didn't uh-huh so um, i'm guessing you do we at least entertain you oh you're not entertained and if you're looking for ways to support us um we will be releasing a patreon soon because you know times are tough also our threadless shop yeah um, I was wearing my shirt the other day. I love my pink shirt. I'm excited that it's getting cooler because I can start wearing my sweatshirt again. Yes, yeah. I love the sweatshirt's kind of perfect because it's like you can get like a lighter sweatshirt. Like I got the terry cloth ones. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a thick t-shirt, like a yeah. thick long sleeve t-shirt, and I love that. Yeah, I love fall weather for this reason. Like <laughs> today, I wore a long sleeve and shorts to the grocery store. But now I am back in the clothes I've been wearing for three days. Straight. I really like having my legs free, but my arms covered. That's my yeah. preferred method of dressing. Yeah. 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 I just, I love a long sleeve and short combo. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it looks nice too. Yeah. <sighs> but until, until next, next time, time stay, stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence.